What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 58 of Calling All Crap Beer. My name is Luke. I am your host. And uh, it's Thursday. I hope you're ready because I'm ready. So we're going to do like we always do. Today's going to be the opening segment of the show. Then we're going to do brew reviews. And then we'll finish off with a thought of the month, thought of the week, thought of the year, thought of the day, whatever the case may be. So for today... God, there's so much crap going on right now that uh, we need to talk about it a little bit, right? So I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of professional sports, all right? Now, I have mentioned in the past, if you're a longtime listener, that I am a diehard 36-year-plus Eagles fan. I've been watching the Philadelphia Eagles play, play football since I was four years old. I mean, I remember the Fog Bowl. I remember the Ice Bowl. I remember the Snow Bowl. I remember the likes. I mean, I grew up on the likes of Randall Cunningham and Reggie White and just, I mean, teams that cannot be forgotten, players that cannot be forgotten, players that stood for just the game and what it meant and what it was. And that is, I look at what we got going on here today and it is beyond frustrating now okay some of you guys listen to the show might be like oh come on luke you know people are allowed to have their own opinion damn right they are you're allowed to have your own opinion i'm allowed to have my own opinion lebron james is allowed to have his own opinion and whoever else is out there is allowed to have their own opinion and if you want to politicize yourself in your own time that's one thing so if lebron james wants to be outside of nba outside of the nba talking shit, putting cops down, doing whatever he wants to do, that's on him. He has his own social media. He has his own, you know, press people. He has his own shit that he could do that with. But the moment that they politicized our sports is the moment they lost. And it's been happening for a couple of years, and it's been creeping in ever since the whole Colin Kaepernick deal of, you know, uh, kneeling for the national anthem and all this stuff. I've kind of like been disgusted by it and frustrated by it but i haven't stopped watching sports this year is totally different i am completely 100 boycotting all professional sports i will not watch the nba i will not watch the mlb i will not watch the nfl and includes my beloved eagles will i sell my memorabilia and give up football completely no i'm gonna hang on to my stuff in the hopes that they come to their senses and realize what they're doing is alienating in my personal opinion, at least 50% of their of their fan base. Now, here's the deal, okay? What are sports? Sports are a escape. So for like myself, you know, you guys that are out there watching this show that don't play professional sports, sports are an escape. Sunday comes, got fresh beers on the table, you got some chips and dip, you got family hanging around, friends hanging around, jerseys on, you know, talking shit, having a great time, enjoying each other's company, and watching our favorite teams kick ass. You know, we've been there with these teams through thick and thin. We've lost, we've won, we've cried, we've screamed, we've yelled, we've hooted and hollered, and it is joyful. It is a joyful escape from the everyday for us. It is something that we look forward to. It is something that gives us a an outside sense of enjoyment and you know, just entertainment at the end of the day. I mean, it is, it is solely is what it is. And myself, just like you, everyday people, 
are what keep professional sports alive. We're the ones buying the jerseys. We're the ones buying the tickets. We're the ones buying the t-shirts, the hats, the bumper stickers, all the other shit that these guys sell. Okay, this is what we do. I mean, dude, I have I have beer openers that have the Eagles logo on them. I mean, this is just, you know, we are what drives the economic value of sports, period. We're the reason why these friggin' sports teams can afford to get paid. I mean, these players can afford to get paid multi-million dollar contracts and all this stuff. Because if it wasn't for all of us out there buying the, the memorabilia, you know, going to the games, watching the games on TV, playing the games on our PlayStations and Xboxes and everything else that's out there now, is this going to hurt professional sports? Yeah, it might hurt their egos a little bit. And the sad part is, but the sad reality is, is, is it really going to hurt professional sports? And I, I doubt it because I think the divide is so big. And I think they, their revenue streams come from so many places. So even if we have 50% of the, you know, a viewer base that stops watching them on TV, stops going to the games and stops buying all the memorabilia, you got you got the other 50% that I'm not going to say are going to pick up the slack, but I just think there's so much there from video games and, you know, everything else that I don't see them losing a ton. You know, I mean, I don't see them shutting down. Let's put it that way. Now, will maybe some contracts be pulled back and some people's pays be cut because, you know, the money's just not there to pay for it? I hope so, because that's what this all needs to be about. You know, at the end of the day, I didn't ask the NBA or the MLB or the NFL to politicize my sport. I didn't ask the Philadelphia Eagles to choose Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I didn't ask, you know, the Miami Heat to pick, you know, between the police or Jacob Black or George Floyd or any of these other people. I didn't ask you for that. And as a fan, I expect your position to be neutral and your and not to not to use your platform to alienate those of us that may not have the same beliefs. Okay? Now, but that also goes the shoes on the other foot. You know what I mean? It also goes both ways where, you know, I'm I'm not going to go to an Eagles game wearing a Trump jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, I don't politicize the sport. So I don't expect you to politicize the sport. And the, and the minute that you start playing national anthems that aren't the national anthem and start allowing people to, to kneel for the national anthem like it's no big deal and almost to some coaches even requiring that all the players kneel for the national anthem i'm sorry i I just i don't don't drive with that i don't get with that i don't believe in that i don't support that and i won't and you can argue with me and fight with me and fuss and fight and whatever you want to do that's on you i don't care and this has nothing to do with being being a conservative it has for it has to do with having respect for my country and for the people who died and bled for our freedoms right now some of our freedoms are being attacked you know obviously those of you that are that pay attention to this shit have realized that this coronavirus is fucking bullshit okay bullshit they have literally shoved this coronavirus up our asses and made us believe that it's okay to give away our rights for six percent of people and you can argue with me all you want you can come on here i mean i actually encourage somebody if you have the balls to come on here and debate me about the six percent with coronavirus I encourage you to do it <clears throat> because the CDC themselves came out and said 92 that 9,210 people have actually died from the coronavirus. So these were healthy individuals who got coronavirus and died. The other 94% or at the given time, 145,000 or something like that, all died 
with an average of 2.6 other detrimental, you know, health conditions. So we're talking about people who may have had fatal lung cancer that were already in their deathbed, but somehow contracted Corona and died because of lung cancer, but Corona was on their birth certificate. Or someone who may have, you know, maybe a, a police officer was at a, a, a riot or a rally and got shot and killed and tested positive for coronavirus, so it was on his birth certificate. Or a motorcycle rider got into a motorcycle accident and died from the impact, but he tested positive for COVID, so COVID's on his, on his birth certificate, death certificate. This is the this is where the other ninety four percent are. Okay, these are people that the CDC has admit, has admitted died due to causes that were not related to to Corona or COVID nineteen, but tested positive at the time of their death. Therefore, they were put on the national registry as being as having died of COVID nineteen. Who didn't see this coming? I mean, come on, their numbers, their you know synopsis of the numbers since day one has been bullshit. Every time we turn around, another lab is making mistakes. This place is saying, oh, we, I'm sorry. We, you know, we said 97% positive and it was nine, 9.7% positive. Oh, we reported back 97,000 positive cases and it was only 9,700 positive cases. I mean, dude, if you didn't see this coming, then you're wrong. I mean, then, then you're blind. Masks are bullshit. All of this stuff is bullshit. My kids need to go back to school. We need to shut all this garbage down. The, and, and I am waiting for the first governor the first, I know in Iowa, I believe Iowa, they've already, it, they've, the ruling has already passed through the Iowa House of Representatives to um, to open the country back up completely, or open the state back up completely. No masks, no mandates, no nothing. Literally go back to normal. It just has to pass through the, pass through the state Senate, and it will, uh, and they will fully open back up just like, um, like South Dakota. Like South Dakota never closed down at all. They've been completely open the entire time have one of the lowest rates in the entire country. I think 42 deaths total was what was tallied last time I saw it. And it's just, you know, I mean, you you look at this stuff and it makes you wonder, why did they do all this? Why did they put us in our homes? Why did they separate us? Why did they and take away our freedoms for 9,200 people? And you can argue with me and say, oh, but the other 145 people still died. Yeah, but they were going to die anyway. And that's the point. That's what you people need to understand and need to get through your thick skulls, the ones that want to argue about it. Because I've had multiple arguments with people about this. If you go in and you look at the numbers, the other 94%, okay, it does not say the other 94% died as a result of COVID, but happened to have cancer, gunshots, car accidents. That's not what the case is. 94% of the total amount of people who died from COVID-19, it was an ancillary cause of death, meaning it just they just happened to be positive, but they died from something else. Period. 94%. Meaning that COVID had nothing to do with their death. So more than likely, they were asymptomatic, but they actually had COVID-19, and they died, like I said, in a car accident, in a boating accident, from a gunshot, from lung cancer, from emphysema, from brain cancer, from... Whatever the case possibly may be, these people passed away and just happened to test COVID, test positive for COVID. And at the end of the day, we've already been told by the CDC that if you test positive, it may just be the common cold. So how do we even know half of these people even really had COVID? It could have just been the common cold because there was a, there was a lengthy period of time where they admitted that they were counting people who were testing positive with antibodies. It's ridiculous. We're at the point now where it's like, open this bitch up, let's get it going. You know, I've seen too many good businesses die and fall apart. You know, uh, 
I know I was listening to those of you out there that know uh, Andy Frisella. He originally had the uh, the podcast, the MFCEO Pop uh, Project, which was absolutely fantastic. But he since kind of shifted gears and started another podcast called Real AF. Real is fun. And they talk a lot about this stuff. And I was listening to their latest show, and he was talking about how um, he was talking about how they've seen just people that they never would have expected from one day to the next walking up and just seeing businesses shut down. I, um, uh, Vaughn, who is uh, the pastor of disaster, is one of the, the hosts on the show. He lives in Memphis. I think it's not Memphis. He lives in Manhattan. Um, I think I want to say it's Manhattan, Tennessee or Manhattan, Kentucky, something like that. It's a, it's Manhattan, but it's in a, uh, one of the like middle uh, central states. So anyway, and there was like a huge restaurant in the middle of the town. It was like the staple restaurant for everybody. Right. And it was the one that was the most financially stable. It was the one that everybody thought would survive and they closed down. And it's, it's, you know, it's, they made a really, really good point on their show when they talked about the economy. And they talked about, that's the one thing that he disagrees with President Trump on is him touting about the economy coming back because he's it does frustrate him. And now it makes sense to me too, thinking about it, is that yes, economically we are recovering, but the reality is that there's been a, there's been a massive shift in wealth. So right now, small business owners, mom and pops, places like that are suffering beyond belief because they're not allowed to open. But businesses like Walmart, Target, Amazon, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, blah, 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 are thriving beyond belief. So it's it's skewing the economic scale right now because you have a few major players that are getting, that are breaking in all the money and are just seeing massive gains, massive returns at the expense of the small businesses and the mom and pop stores. And it's ridiculous. You know, even when it comes to like chain restaurants, I'm sure you're seeing chain restaurants thrive and you're seeing the smaller ones, mom and pop ones are dying in certain instances. And that's, you know, we can't have that. Man. It's got to, the, the, the balance has to come back because we have to just open everything up and say, let's go. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous to sit here and continue to ruin our lives for 9,200 people. And it's going to take us standing up as individuals and chucking the fucking masks in the garbage and saying, I ain't doing this shit no more. And if you do it and I do it and everybody else we know does it, eventually it's going to get to a, they can't arrest us all. So eventually it's going to get to a point they're going to have no choice but to say, all right, you guys win. No more masks. We're done. Everybody open up. It's just crazy. And it hurts my heart to know that there are good people out there that don't deserve to be in this situation. They didn't do anything wrong. They're business owners. They're just trying to take care of their family, pay their bills. I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi's bitch ass. I mean, come on, guys. You have, If that's not the biggest slap in the friggin' face, I don't know what is. And then the bitch has the nerve to come on a press conference and say, oh, the, the salon set me up. They told me that it was cool for me to be there one person, one-on-one. And then they went behind my back and reported me for it. Like, come on, bitch. You know the rules? Are you really going to be the Speaker of the House and play that dumb and act like you didn't know that there was a mandate in San Francisco that you're where you that's your district and you didn't know that they weren't allowed to be open, period? Like, give me a break, dude. And I don't blame the lady, the owner of of the of the salon, because she went from a situation where she's dying, not being able to pay her bills. You know, I mean, for the last six months, they've been closed down. And now she's in the spotlight and she's got to go fund me going for her. And, you know, people are lifting her up and trying to help her. 
on one aspect. So you got the conservative base and the people who agree with her and agree that Nancy Pelosi is a piece of shit and that she went in there and, you know, defied all of the local mandates just so she could get her hair done because she's elite and the elites can do what they want, but everybody else sucks. And, but in turn, so she has this group of people that agree with her and that are trying to help her move forward because she now she wants to get out of San Francisco and open her salon somewhere else. But then you've got people on the left that are in San Francisco that are trying to destroy her. She's getting death threats. She's getting nasty letters um, sent to her house, you know, through uh, nasty phone calls, text messages. She's getting, she's at her Yelp um, account has been overrun with negative reviews and people just calling her out and being nasty all because she called out Nancy Pelosi. And it's like, come on, dude, if you don't want to get called out, stop doing dumb shit. Okay, you go back to, you know, a couple of months ago when she did the whole interview in her house with her $20,000 fridges and her $13 pints of ice cream. And you know what? I don't care if you have that shit, because at the end of the day, if you own four wineries and you're worth $100 million, even though I think the majority of your income came from lobbyists and other things while you since you've been in public office, because your public office salary for 33 years is just over $4 million and you're worth over $100 million. So obviously your money came from somewhere else. And, and, you know, who knows? I don't know the whole story about it, and I can't even begin to break it down. But it's just it's so hypocritical of them to hold people to one standard and then to defy the standards themselves. You know, I think the same person, the same thing happened in, like, Chicago. The mayor of Chicago, like, went and got her hair done somewhere, and they found out about it. All the, but all salons are supposed to be closed. Or, you know, and the mayor of... Uh, the governor of um, uh, Michigan did the same thing with, you know, it's like, come on, man. Like if you guys are going to hold, if you guys are going to hold Americans hostage then stop trying to circumvent the system yourselves and go in the back door and get what you want because you're, you know, I'm special because I'm, you know, number three in the United States. So I just, I deserve to be able to walk in and get my hair done. Like, come on. So I'm not going to beat you guys with a dead stick because we're just going to keep going around in circles with this thing. But I definitely thought that needed to be a huge point that was made to start up the show. So I will see you later for segment two, where we get into some brew reviews. Later. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 58 of Calling All Crap Beer. My name is Luke, and I'm here with Thomas, who just happens to be hanging out at Invasive Species Brewing in Fort Lauderdale. And I'm kind of super bummed because I was supposed to be there, and my back has been kicking my ass the last two days, and today was just barely walk. I could barely walk. So, unfortunately, I am recording from home. He is at the brewery enjoying himself, but that does not mean that we are not enjoying some beers together virtually so what are you what are you sipping on over there brother so uh i have uh ninja juice from invasive which is i think kind of one of their uh anchor beers they've had since day one yeah and uh waiting in the in the wings i also got a dumpling juice which i've been wanting to try i saw on their instagram so here we are both ipas Yeah, so I'm a bit of a, I'm a, I'm an IPA stout uh, kind of guy. Right, Usually, cool. if it's not 7% or above, uh, unless uh, I'm out on the boat or something like that where I'm drinking Coors Light. <laughs> 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 I'm, uh, 
or now you know since COVID, uh, a white claw. Um, yeah. And I usually go either IPAs or 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 stout. So. All right, cool. Hey, I, I feel you. I'm definitely an ABV snob. I've uh, I've come to kind of enjoy some of the lower ABV uh, Berliners and sours more recently, just because I feel like with some of them they tend to have more flavor at the lower ABV, so you kind of get a little bit more. Which is exactly what I'm drinking on. I cracked open a uh, a key lime pie Berliner from Ellipsis up in Orlando, and I'll tell you what, dude, it's amazing. I mean, the color first of all is cool because it has like that key lime pie green. But then on top yeah, of it, yeah, right. The color is really neat. But then on top of it, they really hit the pie aspect of the beer. And that's, it kills me when breweries release a pie beer and it doesn't have all the layers of being pie. So it could be heavy fruit or it could be, um, you know, heavy one way, too sweet, too bitter. You know, it depends on, depends on what they do. But with these guys, it's got a layer of, like crust where you can taste like the almost like the, the graham cracker-esque like breadiness of the crust and then it's got that nice uh hint of bitter lime that gives you that you know the key lime flavor and then it just kind of like mellows out on the on on the back and it's just smooth and easy i have like two sips left i i probably cracked it a little too early because i dude i was sitting here waiting and i'm like i don't think i've ever seen the minutes go by so slow it's like when you're excited yeah. to have somebody new on, it takes forever for time to go by. I know, right? So I actually pulled up here about 25 minutes before they opened, so I've just been sitting in my car a little right. anxious, and I was like, I'm going to come in, go straight to a strong one, take the, take the jitterness out, um, and so far, so good. Uh, but I was actually going to say, I don't know if Saki, um, if Ninja Juice actually an IKEA, I think it's like something... I think it's like a lager and they use some sake yeast in it. It's got some, so it's got like some, it's different than any yes. other beer that's now out that I'm, there. Now that I remember, if I remember correctly from, uh, it's pretty sweet. It's almost like a double or a triple or like right. even a, you know what I mean? Like a Belgium kind of sweetness to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pull it up yeah. real quick because if I remember correctly, seeing it on their board last time I was up there, yeah, it's a Japanese rice lager. Yeah, but it's really what they good. label it as, but it's nine yeah. percent, so it's a strong one. Yeah, for sure. So I actually, like I started, it? it's it's great. It reminds me of of like I said, Belgiums, which I also I'm a big fan of of doubles and triples and quads. Cool, um, me too. So I guess that's kind of my my go tos. And I actually talking about sours, I so I love sour candy. Right. Uh, and I, I see a lot of people getting in the sour craft beer, but I just haven't found one that like got me over the edge yet to start really experimenting with more of them. Right. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to get a little adventurous today, and I might have one. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, dude. If they, yeah. if they have the marshmallow chancletas on tap, you got to have it. It's the best, best kettle sour I've ever had in my life. I still have two cans in the fridge. I actually have an invasive species in my little uh, my little to-go bag here that I brought into the into my uh, office to do the, the show with you. I have uh, I have their uh, crap. Of course, I can't think of the name of it off, but I have I think it's called I have slip and slide with me. Yeah, cool. I saw some piece. Some people posted those uh, that color after you pour it. It's crazy looking. That oh, sort yeah. of white, bright, crazy. bright purple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. 
definitely, yeah. definitely a killer brew. And I got, I mean, the, this ellipsis one is fantastic, but I'm about to crack open. I got to get up there in the ABV, uh, ABV, ABV range with you. And I got a, um, a triple IPA from Green Cheek Brewing uh, <clears throat> over in Cali. It's called Swim Test. This is a hazy triple IPA. It's 10%, 10.2%. And they don't tell you a lot about, they're one of those breweries that doesn't tell you a lot about the hops. It's like you have to figure it out on your own. But uh, if you've had Green Cheek, they make some amazing beers. So I'm about to crack this bad boy open now. What was the other one you got? The Dumpling Juice. That's, a, I think it's a, a Hazy Double IPA. Okay. Uh, I think. I don't know. I don't want to mess with my phone and uh, and lose the connection. So my phone's just set down and uh, oh, no. yeah, I'll you're look good. that up afterwards. Yeah. Lower. But um, yeah, I've been excited. It looks good. And plus, uh, I essentially only eat Asian food, so anything with uh, ninja or dumpling in the name, I'm just gonna go ahead and try. There you go. It's a 7.7% New England IPA. So uh, hazy citra, cashmere, and sabra. All right. Yeah, it looks, uh, sounds it looks good. Really it's probably good. a little tropical, little citrusy with a nice touch of bitterness on the back end from the sabra. Yep. Yeah, that's, so that's something I gotta learn and pick up a little bit more in the in the crab game is, is the different hops and uh, it is naughty. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems pretty intense. It's hard because, dude, like even different mixtures of hops taste completely different. So you might have like a like a citra and a cashmere in one beer where with the yeast and the malt they use or the barley, whichever you know how whatever their their base is that it gives it like a intense citrus flavor or it might be like uh, more along the lines of like grapefruit or something like that. But then they could change one small thing like the yeast and it could be melon. You know what I mean? Like it's really hard to distinguish hops based on flavor alone. Um, now, if you're lucky enough to have some a situation like this where they're laid out for you, you can tend to kind of figure them out a little bit more. Right. But it's it's not easy dude it's so hard especially because you never know how much they use of each of, of each either because they could list three hops and there could be like a pound of one hop and like six pounds of the other two because you know they're like the heroes in the beer or whatever and i'm not a big fan of sabro but i'll tell you what man there's been a couple beers lately where they've used sabro in a great mixture of other hops and it's really been like kick ass like it, it really it really brings forward like this intense pineapple flavor and it's amazing like I, i'm like but sabro by itself is horrible <laughs> yeah it's a, uh, it's a shame too I, I wish i remembered or or knew a little bit more about that because there's a well there was because the i unfortunately went out of business uh um bad robot mad robot uh brewery up in boca where the original funky Buddha lounge was right they had uh they were nano breweries so um, you know, just small, like, you know, usually one or two kegs and, and no, even smaller. I think oh, okay. they were, yeah, even, even smaller. They couldn't can anything. They couldn't keg anything and sell. Uh, but they had this one that was mind blowing. And I remember talking with, with Alan, the, uh, the owner, and I just, um, he told me the name of the hop that they used and it completely escaped me now. So I, w I also need to step up my, uh, untapped game because i have it and i think i reviewed one beer on there <laughs> dude 
I I had my original Untapped account was like ridiculous. Like when the Untapped first came out, I was in I was like a little bit younger, and I was in like a crazy beer. I was traveling all over the place. I was going all over the United States, and I was I I mean I got to five thousand beers in like a in like a year, and then somebody hacked my Untapped account, and I couldn't get into it. And I was like freaking out and there was nothing they could do. They couldn't get it back for me. So I had to start all over again. So then when I started my new account, now with my new account, I've gotten better in the last, I've gotten better since like COVID and all this stuff because I'm home. But right. before that, like I think I have 1,220 check-ins and like 1,094 unique beers on my new account. But I can't even, I guarantee you that the actual amount of beers that I've drank is 10 times that, but I just haven't put them in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Oh yeah. Dude, this okay. swim test is crazy like i haven't even tasted it yet but the aroma is like sweet pineapple like candied pineapple it is literally just it has it has that like light almost uh grapefruit color haze but it's solid like there's not i mean no lightness to this haze to this haze whatsoever i mean it's it's completely opaque absolutely beautiful coloring got a, a crisp little head on the top of it that isn't going anywhere it's just kind of hanging out there and, and holding on to that aroma and i'm about to give it a taste there real quick because man if it tastes anything like it smells it's going to be fantastic that's crazy i'm actually i'm uh i just had a little water i'm actually going to go ahead and dip into that uh that dumpling juice myself you what'd you get did you get like samplers or you got like full size uh, full size. I don't do anything half fast, right? <laughs> Dude, this swim test is amazing. Like, I don't know how breweries do this. Like, so I almost feel like sometimes a triple that's like 10, you know, 9, 10, 11 percent ABV, sometimes it's smoother and easier to drink than like a single or a double. You know, um, how's I, I've had some issues in the past with some with some double and triple and I, I want to say I may have had a quad IPA from Lincoln's Beard down in Miami okay on Which Bird one? Road um don't remember the name of it but it literally tasted like like lawn clippings Ooh. and you know, it was kind of thick and oily and just the, just the taste stayed in your mouth but and kind of numbed your mouth a little bit okay and I I strangely like it it was so so intense and so like punch you in the face flavor and maybe because i'm weird and i just like big bold flavor stuff yeah uh but um i had it uh, i passed it around for a couple of people to try pre-covid right now nobody tries anybody else's beer anymore but right uh <laughs> which is funny that we got to say pre and post-covid nowadays but um yeah it was uh it was interesting i i don't i don't remember seeing it again uh the couple the last couple times i went down there you ever been down in lincoln uh no lincoln i haven't Pierce? actually been down there yeah it's been i haven't hit like <clears throat> you know obviously i've been to jay wakefield i've been to um box elder which is obviously not a brewery but a great bottle shop and bar um i've been to concrete beach i've been i mean Obviously, Trippin is one of my favorite. MIA Beer Company, Biscayne Bay, Gulfstream. Like, I mean, there's so many that I've been yeah. to, but there are a few that I haven't been able to hit. Like, Unseen Creatures, I haven't been there yet. Um, and I have had a few of their beers, and I actually have a couple in the fridge right now. Um, but I haven't been to the brewery yet, and I heard it's one of the, like, nicest spots. But Lincoln's Beard is the same. Like, I've had a few of their beers because they do a lot of stuff with, like, Unbranded. 
in Hialeah. Okay. And right. I've had a few of their collabs and things like that. And um, there was one that I had, I can't remember the damn name of it. It was like a 9.5% double. Um, and it was a Lincoln's Beard and I think Beat Culture collab that I had that was pretty damn good. <clears throat> and uh, it was kind of a funky can that had like a leopard print on it. And I can't remember the name of the beer, but um, but I know what you're saying when it comes to like big, bold flavors. Because like one of my honest favorite beers that I've had in South Florida in a long time is Cut Them Down. It was a 13%. They called it a triple IPA, but it was really more like a quad IPA. And uh, it was an awesome, um, I believe it was MIA Beer Company and Unbranded Collab. And the can had like Jason, you know, from uh, uh, Jason Voorhees from the uh, whatever that. Friday? Or, is it? Yeah, Friday the 13th. Yeah. And uh, it was just a killer can art and a killer beer. And it was more, it was like a West Coast, you know, 13%, more like a West Coast style IPA. And it was a little malty. Like it wasn't as crazy strong hop wise. Dude, I mean, I even have a buddy out in Cali that sends me a lot of beers. That is a, he's an ex like beer judge. You know, he's, I mean, he's, he does, he has a pretzel cart that he takes around to a bunch of breweries and does. And I mean, he's very big in the beer, home brews like crazy. And I sent him a can of it and he was like, Luke, that's one of the best beers I've ever had. Like, he loved it. He was like, the flavors were crazy with so many different layers. And I was like, yeah. And it's crazy to get a beer like that that's clear. Because nowadays, hazy is such a big thing that everybody's all about the hazies. But, dude, I just love beer. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, same. I'm not super picky when it comes to that. I just go with the, the styles I like. And, and I, I think nowadays the, the craft beer scene, it, it's, it's hard. And, I mean, you mentioned you've had some issues with the, with the canned stuff in the past. But when it comes to, like, getting stuff on tap, I think it's, it's hard to be disappointed um, nowadays. You know, oh, absolutely, dude. Now, unfortunately, they kind of all start kind of mixing in together and event. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's hard to have a standout. That's why I like like the the ninja juice so much. Is it's there's nothing quite like it that I've ever right. come across. And I try to really try like some of the everywhere. I I really avoid getting the same beer twice in most uh, places that I go to. Right. Um, but this one, I always call. I know it's like old people anytime like I come here. Exactly. Yeah, to go to. Um, but uh, talking about breweries down in Miami, I've actually done a couple brewery tours with friends. You know, not like the brew bus or anything, but where we plan out an entire afternoon. Um, you know, MIA, Tank, Lincoln's Beard. Uh, there's another place off of uh, in Coral Gables that's kind of a rest, like a gastro pub slash brewery. I want to say it's called like Titanic or something. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then I think we wrapped up down in the, in the uh, Redlands at uh, Snubbly's, uh, like the Miami Brewing Co. I forget the name. Is that the Snubbly's with the, the Big Rod and the Alligator IPA? Am I, am I big, rod, the right? big Rod and Alligator is... <clears throat> um, That's Miami Brewing Co., right? No, that is um. Oh, now you're gonna make me look it up. Hold on. <laughs> it's I know it's Schnubbly's, the winery. It's in the right. back. It's the brewery they have. Hang on one second. I'll tell you right now. But uh, we also did. We went to. Um, I did also go to uh, Trippin' Animals. So that was the second. Yes, I'm sorry. Episode. Big Big Rod is Miami Brewing Company. Because yes, you know Miami there's Brewing MIA Company. Beer Company and then there's Miami yes. Brewing Company. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Which. Yeah. 
so, so I kind of switch gears here, talking about MIA. Do you remember when they started doing seltzers? Like, I want to say almost 10 years ago. Dude, they, I mean, the, they, been, they were some of these. Yeah, they came out with their hard water. Oh, it has to be. Fucking a long time ago, right? Yeah, yeah, a long time it's ago. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's crazy seeing now, you know, Funky Buddha doing uh, seltzers. When, you know, those guys have been, you know, I'm surprised that I, it just never picked up sooner. I guess the market wasn't quite ready for it. Right. But uh, I remember. Can we talk about to... that real quick? The Funky Buddha yeah. seltzers? Like, dude, I mean, for a 5% seltzer, I'm sure they're good. I haven't tasted them yet. But $17 for a 12 pack, I'm like, damn, oh, dude, that's like ass rate. <laughs> oh, they, same thing with uh, any any seltzer, even White Claws. You're, you're in the 16 $17 range. That's so yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's so expensive. Yeah. For yeah. nothing. Well, right, yeah, for 4.5%. Now, the, I, have a, I have a couple homemade recipes where, uh, where, you know, I don't know if you know what a power claw is. No. So a power claw is you get a, you know, like a like a Yeti, you know, like a 30-ounce cup or something like uh-huh. that, 25-ounce Yeti. Mix it with rumbler. And then, yeah, you fill it up with ice. A little vodka, and and then your 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 chosen cloth flavor is called okay. a power cloth. Gotcha. It's almost like doing a. We used to do killer Coronas, where you would drink the neck, and then fill yeah. the neck back up with Bacardi Limon. Bacardi. Yep. 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 Exactly like that. It's not bad. It sneaks up on you though, because I mean, it does oh, yeah. not. It does not add any boozy flavor. Next thing you know, you got you know, you drink a thirty ounce of those, and you're pretty uh, pretty lit. You feel it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I didn't want. I wasn't gonna. I was like, I think I'm too old to use lit somewhere <laughs> where other people are not in the privacy of my own friends. But yes, it's definitely it gets pretty lit up. <laughs> I got kids, so I have, a, I have an excuse. I hear it all the time. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, my I have a slightly younger brother, and sometimes I hear his friends talk, and I was like, I was in a, a fantasy basketball chat with him, and I was like, what the fuck are you guys saying? <laughs> I was like, you know, like, me. I hear oh, words. Yeah. I yeah, had words every TBH, day. Like, I had to Google TBH. And I was like, "Fuck! Does that mean I'm officially old now? Is that is that what that right. is?" Yeah. Well, since honest, since this is your first time on the show, and hopefully this is going to be a repeating role, how old are you? So I'm uh, I'm 34. I just turned 34 in June. Okay, you have to think about uh, that. Are you sure you're telling? Yeah, me? I I had a conversation <laughs> two weeks ago. A buddy of mine uh, who's actually sitting right there. He's like, "We're talking about how old we're getting." And uh, I was like, oh, you're 32. We're the same age. He goes, no, you're not. You're older than me. And I was like, eh. I started doing some math. And I was like, no, I'm 33. I was like, nope, I'm 34. Yeah. So <laughs> now I just say I'm in my mid-30s. And you know, that, that's all yeah. encompassing until I get to 38. And I'll say my, I'm in my late 30s. Right. Well, hey, you still you still got a ways to go to catch up to me. I'm 40. So I don't yeah. even uh, I don't even care anymore. At this point, it's like, I mean, between like my getting my ass kicked with, you know, and, and I know a lot of the reason why I am where I am right now. And I, and I laugh because, dude, I was a competitive power lifter for 11 years. And oh, damn. in 11 years, I never had an injury. I mean, nothing aside from like a small strain here and there that took a little bit of ice and some ibuprofen and maybe a day or two out of the gym and I was good to go. But I never tore anything. I never did anything. Now, all of a sudden, I'm 40. And it's like every time I turn around, like now I got discs in my lumbar that are messed up, which is why I'm in, in the, you know, why I'm feeling the way I am today. And I'm not able to 
you know, be up there with you hanging out. And then I got a slip disc in my neck. I got, you know, I tore, I tore my quad in 2016 and doing nothing. Well, I shouldn't say doing nothing because I I laugh because people would tell me, they're like, well, what were you doing when you tore your quad? And I'm like, well, I was on my last set of eight sets of, of squatting 495. And they're like, yeah, that's a lot of weight. And I'm like, but not for me. Like, I mean, for someone who squats 800 pounds, like four, 495 was nothing. So, but it's never been the same. It's like ever since I tore my quad, I've things have started to go downhill. And now that I'm 40, it's like, dude, I'm getting my ass kicked. Like I've put on 65 pounds in the last like six months. I've haven't been able to be in the gym. I finally started getting back in the gym and I've been training and, you know, not hard. Like obviously I literally go in and do like girly workouts. I do like, you know, two exercises per muscle group, you know, based on my split that day. And then I'll do like 15 or 20 minutes of cardio. And I'm slowly, I've been slowly building myself back up. And now here I am. I don't even know what caused this. I don't know what this flare up came from. The only thing I can think of is that when I happened to meet up with my buddy, Albie, uh, MIA Beer Brigade, for those of you that don't know who he is, on Thursday, I came home with 40 beers in a box. And I'm wondering if carrying the 40 beers from the trunk of my car to the house is what caused this flare up because that when I woke up Friday morning was the start of this like flare up. And then today was just 10 times worse. When I woke up this morning, I felt like I was 95 years old and I got barely, I mean, I'm like, like shuffling my feet just to get to the bathroom from my bed. And dude, last night was terrible. I spent every 15 minutes I had to change positions in the bed so much so that my wife threatened my life more than once. That's when you just go sleep on the couch and try to get comfortable. Dude, I wish I could. Like, that's one of the it, – it, it's at the point right now where I'm good right now because I took 4,000 milligrams of Tylenol. And <laughs> – but uh, so I'm, 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 it's manageable right now. Now, of course, having a couple beers is probably destroying my kidneys and my liver, but no big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll survive. <laughs> the, uh, but I, I'm actually, like, okay sitting in this office chair right now doing the show. But I literally, when my back flares up the way it does, I have a spot in the corner of our sectional where I have to sit on a big pillow and I just have to kind of like lean against the back of the couch. And I and I cycle between keeping my leg up and pushing my leg straight out like every 10 or 15 minutes. What did, one of the issues that I have with the, with the, um, the nerve stuff that I have going on because of my back is hypersensitivity on my skin. So what happens, and, the, and even my chiropractor was like, damn, dude, like you have some of the most sensitive nerve um, response in your skin that I've ever seen. And what it ultimately is, is dude, even if I take my hand and I run my four fingers down the, out, the outside of my skin on my left leg, which is where the flare-up is, well, the flare-up is my sciatica, but it goes down my left leg. If I run my four fingers down my leg, I will feel that, like... The, I'll feel the sensation of the four fingers being ran down my leg for like 45 minutes. That's, I, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, it's going to turn into a medical podcast. Two dudes drinking beer right? have no idea about medicine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, that, yeah, that's, that's insane. That's, but that's definitely the thing about, um, about getting older. I just started training for a marathon, so. You told these, me, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully these recordings are going to be my my weekly getaway or bi-weekly getaway into my cheat day where I can have two to, two to four yeah. beers, do those reviews, and then, uh, yeah. and then you know, keep the training going for... Uh, what marathon are you training for? 
I'm actually doing the Miami Marathon. Okay, on, cool. Uh, January yeah. 31st. Yeah. And awesome. um, my brother-in-law did it last year. So okay. Yeah. He got pretty. He was a big dude. He got to be a little over 300 pounds and um, lost a bunch of weight. And his goal after he lost the weight was to do marathons. Like we, it was funny because we were both kind of in the same situation. Like I was bigger than him because when I competed in powerlifting, I was 365 pounds. And when I retired and lost a bunch of weight, my goal was to do OCR races. So I wanted to do Spartan races and, you know, Savage yeah. races and shit like that. He wanted to go do like marathons and stuff. And he's since done, you know, quite a few. I mean, I think the Miami marathon is the only one, the only full marathon he's done, but I know he did like the Disney half marathon. Yeah, and, the halves and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. But I did the first year, which was, God, 2000, I think 2015, I did 42 OCR races. Damn. Yeah, I've done uh, I've done two Spartans uh, down in uh, what's that park in Miami uh, right off of uh, You did Did you do the one that was at uh, Amelia Earhart Park? No, was it was it Olita? Oh yeah, Olita. They only did it in Olita one year. I thought they did two twice. No, they only did Olita. As far as I remember, they only did Olita one year because a bunch of people came back because of the coral and they broke their ankles. And there was like uh, 16 people that broke their ankles that year. And they so they stopped doing it at that park. And then they did Treetops Park. They did, no, not Treetops Park. Um, what's the one Amelia. in Haven? Uh, I forget, but they did, they did Amelia Earhart Park. And then they did the next year after the Olita one was Amelia Earhart Park. But I could be wrong. They might've, they might've yeah. done. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure both of mine were. were Olita, they might've done the year before. Olita, yeah. Because that was my uh, first one. My very first Spartan race was at Olita, at Olita State Park, and I did the, I did both. I did the, because it was a super, so it was their eight mile one. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I did this the regular race, and I also did what they called the hurricane heat, and the hurricane heat was badass because it was like a, you get there like early in the morning. It was like a set group of people that signed up for it, and it was a team building thing. So it was like. There was parts of the course where you're like carrying like somebody as if they were like an injured soldier and you had to like, you know, do obstacles with like carrying this person as if they were injured over things. And it was crazy. We did like, God, I can't remember. It was like 850 burpees because every yeah. time we would do an, we would do an obstacle. If somebody didn't finish somebody it. Somebody fails. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. All had to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I did a, I did Tough Mudder with a, with a friend of mine where it wasn't set teams, but it, there was a few things that were definitely um, involving teamwork, like the climbing up the half the half ramp and, and all of that. There was it was almost impossible to just make it on your own without somebody giving you a hand to right. uh, to make it over the top. So yeah, I've done I've done one of those as well. But uh, and those are always a blast, actually. I think I finished. I don't remember, but I, I finished in like the top ten percent. I think my that's awesome. My uh, yeah, that's the only thing I'm actually not really gifted at is, is running. Nah, that's, that's checking good. out. Yeah, like for yeah, me, so I don't think I ever finished anywhere near the top in any of them. But the goal for me was just to do it because oh, yeah. I've, no, I've always sure. been a big guy. You know what I mean? Like oh, my yeah. entire life, I've always been. You know, like on the verge of being fat or right on that, you know, like, I mean, that's why I went into powerlifting because I wanted to be a bodybuilder, but I was like, ah, you know, I'm, I've always been big. Let me go power into powerlifting. And then it took me like retiring from powerlifting for me to finally decide that it was time for me to get in shape. And that was, I mean, in 2018, I was in the best shape of my life. I was about, I was 260 pounds with abs and 
now I'm, you know, I'm, God, I'm, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, last time I weighed myself, I was 345, and I know I've, I've lost weight since then, but it just kicks my butt knowing where I'm at. But that was my huge goal. And I did, I mean, I did the Savage Race. I did, um, I did 17 Spartan races, different states. I went to Texas. I went to New Jersey. I went to Pennsylvania. I was, I did every one that was here in Florida, including the one that was in, uh, like, uh, shit. Uh, there was one that was the, uh, it was inside of a, I think it was inside of a ballpark. I forget what it was called. It was, yeah, it was all kinds of cool stuff. But then I did like, I did the Savage Race. I did the, there's a Warrior one. I can't remember the name of the, the Warrior something, Warrior Clash or something like that. Yeah, or Warrior Run or something. Yeah, yeah. then think, yeah. then there was a superhero. And one. Everything that popped ones up too. Yeah, yeah, everything that popped up, I did it. And then there we have like a place here in town that's called. It's in a that it's like a center for like um, women that have been abused and stuff like that. And they actually built their own course. And I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but they're part of their thing is they do this every year to raise money for the facility. And it's a, it's like a charity event. And it's, it's, it's like, it's basically the equivalent of like a, like a Spartan sprint, which is like the three mile one. And uh, yeah, the 5k. Yeah. And I did that like, you know, multiple times and, but it was like anything that was within, you know, anything that was in Florida that entire year, I did it. And then me and a bunch of the other guys that I made friends with that were doing Spartans like crazy, you know, I ended up finishing. I didn't get my uh, crap. What's it called when you? The, I didn't get my trifecta because I did not finish. Um, I didn't have. Well, I didn't. Not that I didn't finish, but I never went to a the long one, the green one. I forget what it is. The, the, um, yeah, it's like it's like almost marathon distance one. Oh yeah, it's like twenty four miles. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. even attempt that. So I stayed within my like eight, you know, five to ten mile like range for mostly everything, but. I just did as many as I could that year. And I'll tell you what, man, I felt fantastic. And I know, you know, I would get beat up once in a while. I'm going to come home and be, you know, bruised and battered for a couple of days and stuff like that. But it definitely, it definitely gave me a sense of pride and it gave me, you know, something to, to fight for. And, you know, and, and the same year I did like four or five, like five and 10 Ks. Like we did like the turkey trot in Miami and as a family, like I went down there with my kids and everything and we all did it together. And, uh, you know, it was just something that I'm, I'm proud of, like, being able to accomplish. But I've never even attempted to do anything like that since. And now it's just, I mean, I could barely walk to the bathroom. So I'm trying to do a 5K right now. But my goal <laughs> is, yeah, dude, by the end of this year, <laughs> just to get back, you know, to being able to, to function. Because one of the things that's most debilitating about feeling like I am right now, to be honest, is, like, just taking care of my, my family. Like, what if I'm out somewhere and, like, somebody something stupid happens like all this crap that we've been seeing going on in the news lately and somebody attacks my family or does something dumb i'm not even in a good position right now with the exception of being able to point and shoot i can't fight back because i don't have the mobility to be able to do like anything right now you know what i mean and that's i mean as a dad and a husband that is there's nothing worse you know than feeling like you can't defend your family if you had to and the current state of you know the 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 country and where things are right now that's important to me you know because i, I want to make sure that if heaven forbid if anything stupid happened that i'd be you know be able to, to take care of my kids i mean i can still throw a punch like i said i can still point and shoot but if it ever comes down to anything more than that i'm pretty much screwed <laughs> right you know? no i tell you on that it's definitely i mean you know 
I, uh, I, I can still carry myself. Like, I didn't bring it this time because obviously I was at a bar and, and yeah. obviously we're going to be I don't carry mine anytime. drinking. Yeah. And even, yeah, I don't even, I'm not super comfortable keeping it in the car. And then if I got to drive, God forbid I get pulled over and I'm not over the limit. But yet, I think the, the law is a little bit kind of yeah. gray when it comes to any sort of alcohol in your system, weapon, you know, even in the car stuff. So I don't What do you normally carry? Uh, Glock 43. Okay, cool, nice. So you are, dude. I'm like, I'm like 160 pounds, so I, I just carry the 43 appendix, and right. it's kind of the best way for me to conceal it. I've tried to carry a 19, and I've carried a 17 with a uh, the Surefire 300X on it, X300. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just that's that's. I just can't. You know, it's fun to do once. <laughs> you like, oh my god. You know, I'm carrying 17 rounds. It's like no, no, absolutely. Six rounds in the 43. That's not enough, then I'll just run. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. I'll tell you what, like for me, I mean, granted, I'm 300 plus pounds, but I, I carry it. I actually just recently bought a Springfield Hellcat. Oh, yeah. I, I've heard good things about those. I've, I was, uh, I've heard good things because I've done some research on that. I was also thinking of switching to the 365 or 365 oh, yeah. XL from SEG. Because yep. I do have a I have the 320 uh, X Carry, the two tone. Yeah. Because right now, uh, my entire system is is Glock based, so Glock 17 with the light, Glock 19, right? And then um, I got uh, I got them custom stippled. Uh, I got all three custom stippled by the same guy up in Connecticut, uh, up up on the Northeast. And then I have the same sights on all three of them. I got the same ghost triggers on cool. all three of them. I'm trying to keep the system kind of even across the board. I was thinking of switching to the 365, and then making the the 320 scary as the primary home defense you know just to kind of keep everything even across the board in terms of grip angles and trigger pulls and everything and yeah, trigger yeah. style yep um but um and, you know it involves spending more money and actually, oh, oh yeah uh another thing that i think you know for future episodes um i'm gonna be doing that i think i mentioned to you that, that cross east coast uh, motorcycle road trip so oh, yeah. uh, I'm gonna be I've, I've got a few uh, locations that I'm gonna hit up that I was thinking of hitting up I already started googling them cool. but if you hear of any breweries or any listeners know of any breweries message Luke message uh, the calling all craft beer podcast um, and let me know where to stop I think oh, yeah. uh, the stops are gonna be let me go back to my little list here um uh, <laughs> Uh, the cities I'm stopping in for the night motorcycle camping trip. Uh, Fancy Gap in uh, Virginia. Then it's going to be Curtis Creek Campground right outside Asheville. And then uh, Victoria Campground in uh, Woodstock, Georgia, just northwest of Atlanta. Nice. Uh, and then I'm headed back. So if anybody well, I know, like Virginia is- already, you have like, you got it. If you're going to Virginia, you got to hit the veil. You gotta hit, um, what's the other one? Oh man. There's two like big ones that are in Virginia that I know of off the top of my head. The Vale is one of them, and then the other one is. Crap, I can't. I'm gonna have to think about it and let you know. But there's definitely yeah. some good ones in Virginia. <clears throat> and hopefully the listeners will give us some more insight into that if there's anybody in that area. So what, oh, yeah, what sure. bike are you taking out there? What do you, what do you got? So actually, I used to have a. a sportier bike but I uh, 
I'm getting old and my knees hurt. So um, I just got a, a KTM 790 Adventure. So it's kind of a, 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 they call them adventure bike, but more road bias. So cool. a little bit more upright position with the windscreen and, and wind protection. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, just picked it up from Ocala a couple weeks ago and I already got 600 miles on it. It's at the dealership getting uh, a couple of things installed to make it ready for the trip. And Very cool. Uh, I think the goal is I'm going to be uh, taking the auto train from Orlando to Virginia mm-hmm. and then um, that's about 17 hours then get off the auto train and then make it down to the beginning of the Blue Ridge Parkway in uh, Fancy Gap. No. Yeah, then, so from Virginia, get on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and then um, Fancy Gap right off of the Blue Ridge Parkway, uh, day one, then day three, Asheville, day, then day three, hit up the Telvin Dragon, and then, uh, so it should be about 1,400 miles in nice. four days. Very cool. Yeah. What did you have before you got this one? I had a, I had a Kawasaki Z900. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 1,000cc, kind of sport bikey engine in it, but uh, naked, so I wasn't quite cramped, you know, not not hunched over like all those uh, sport bike bros that we see down here right. in lovely South Florida doing, you know, buck 30 racing Corvettes. Oh, yeah. When I moved to Florida in 2001, I came down here with a, with, I had a Busa with um, Nitrous on it. You're one of them Busa boys. Yeah. I had a Busa with Nitrous, an extended swing arm, uh, gearing upgrade. I had a Dynapack. I mean, all kinds of crazy shit like done to it. And my girlfriend at the time had a 600, just a um, a CBR. And about six months into us being in Florida, we both decided to sell our bikes because we almost got killed multiple times. Very different riding a bike down here in Florida than it was up in Jersey, you, Philly area. Okay, you're from Jersey or yeah. Okay. I moved down from I'm, you know South Jersey and it was just crazy. I mean I we joined a riding club down here in Florida and we went out with them like three or four times. And dude, every time we would go out with these people, somebody would get messed up. Somebody would either get pulled out in front of and get in an accident or and it was just it got to the point where we both were just like, I don't know if this is worth it. You know, and we had a baby, you know, my, my oldest daughter at the time was, was I mean, what, one, two years old. So we both said, yeah, forget it. So I ended up selling my Busa and uh, we ended up selling her 600. And I, I just never have had to, I've, I've been into cars, obviously. Like I had a hot rod shop for 10 years. So for me, I mean, I have a need for speed. Like that's my, you know, I have a desire for it, but the bike thing in Florida was just crazy. Like I'm actually at the point right now, I actually ordered a 2020 GT 500 and uh, they just bumped me. I was supposed to get, it was supposed to be about 12 weeks. So I would have it in like December. Now they bumped me to a 2021 because I guess they're not making any more 2020. So now I'm looking at like February, March of next year before I'll have it. But I am, uh, slightly excited because I've been out of kind of the hot rod scene for I mean out of it in terms of owning one like right now I I have a a little Jeep Renegade that I drive and I'm going to keep that that'll be my daily and the GT will be my GT500 will be uh, you know just something that your weekend warrior stuff yeah Yeah. you know and but I mean I've always you know I mean I've had Fox Body Mustang I'm a Mustang guy I like Fords and uh, I've had Fox Bodies and I've had SN95s and um, this will be my first, you know, S550 chassis. I haven't had, I haven't even owned an S197 or anything like that. But 
it's uh, I'm excited because you know, I, I wanted a Hellcat for a long time, and then when uh, then when the GT500 got released, it was like, all right, that's you know, this is. I mean, you look at the two next to each other, and I mean, it's it's almost like you know, just a minimal preference of what you prefer. You know, it's like right. you want something that's like a little bit bigger, heavier you know, more muscle car or do you want something that gives you that like supercar slash race car slash, you know, hot rod at the same time with the GT500. I really, I almost got a GT350R when they first came out and I uh, kind of steered away from that. And I was like, ah, you know what? Let me, let me officially get to the midlife crisis stage yeah. <laughs> before I make that ultimate decision. And, uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, it's not mine until it's in my hands. So, and yeah. I'm not, you know, that's what we say in the, in the car business. It's not there's no done deal until it's driving down the road. Exactly. So, I, and I, yeah. I preferred. I probably, you know, the way that ordering, and I know you know this because you work in the car business, but the way that ordering a vehicle works is you can order it and start paying for it right away. Like they'll, they can, so you can start, you can put the down payment, you can do all the paperwork and start making payments on the car yeah. until it arrives. They do that. Really, even if they don't assign, at that point you already have a VIN assigned. I didn't know. Only, actually, I didn't only know once that, that the only once a VIN is assigned, and what happens is, okay. yeah. So once the VIN is assigned, they then you can do the paperwork and start paying. So I could literally pay for a ghost car for you know four months until it's actually delivered to me, or um, you can wait until the car actually arrives. You could go into the dealership, do the paperwork, walk away with it, uh, or you know sometimes I've, I've had. I've had people where it hasn't worked out and they've left with a car with their name on the dash. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, that happened a couple of times when I was working for, uh, for AutoNation and we had people that ordered like a custom Viper and they would come in to buy it and they didn't like the deal they got. So they would leave and we have, we'd be stuck with a car that said, you know, hand built for, you know, John Johnson, <laughs> you know what I mean? On the dash. Yeah. And obviously all that stuff is removable and can be handled, but, right. was, uh, but I chose I, uh, that route because I was like, you know what? I don't know how long it's going to be because I, I've, I've heard from other people that have ordered them that were told 12 weeks and have been waiting now like five, six months. Yeah. So because of that, I chose to go the route of waiting for the vehicle to actually arrive before I do the paperwork. So, sure. <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. We had a we had a purple Golf R at my dealership uh, last year. Uh, Volkswagen did a special program where they, I think it had... 32 colors uh, from both Lambert, Volkswagen, Audi group. So I don't know if anybody knows uh, Volkswagen, Audi, Lamborghinis, Bugatti, and um, they're all all owned by Volkswagen group. And so you could get all these different colors. Like, I don't know if anybody remembers Tim Margera's uh, purple Lamborghini from back in the day from all those yeah. jackass and white stuff. <laughs> uh, you could get uh, a golf bar in that sort of purple, a little bit lighter of a shade, but you can just get from a factory a purple golf bar, which we got somebody custom ordered a purple, a purple golf bar. Which, it was kind of dope. Put it on some black wheels, call it a day. That's, you know, give it a, a quick tune and maybe an exhaust and you're all set. We're right. sick. Yep. Hey, hey, I grew up on, you know, with the cars too, but most of the car scene I was in was import. So right. um, a lot of yeah, Subarus. I've been through Stuff the same like thing. Yeah, like I did. Yeah. I mean, see, I had mo I owned multiple CRXs back in the day. I had a uh, oh, yeah. 
had a single cam turbo, you know, a V16, A6 turbo model, you know, built motor, ported heads, cam, you know, all that good stuff. And then I had a swapped B16 with a B18A head. And, you know, that was a full-on race car. I mean, I had literally fiberglass glass front end, full roll cage. You know, that was a car that I used to race at back when Nopi was a thing, you know, the national import. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, back in the day. I mean, when literally when, like, the first Fast and the Furious came out, I used to go up to uh, the Mom Beach and race. Yeah, Moroso, back when it was Moroso. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, now it's uh, Palm Beach International Raceway. I actually wanted to go up there when I had the Z to do a, a track day event. I still might do it on the KTM. I don't, it's just more about learning, you know, different skills than, right. you know, the actual bike to roll up on. Is but, the bike the only yeah. car you have or you have a car too? No, no, I got a, I got a, I got a, so that's the thing. I'm, I'm trying to switch into the, the, the more granola hipster lifestyle of, uh, you know, camping and, and all that fun stuff. So I actually got a Ford Ranger FX4 cool. package. Nice. Yeah, with a, with the all-wheel drive, the, the slightly upgraded suspension, and not all-wheel drive, the 4x4. Four four. Um, and, um, you know, it's got the terrain traction control and like an off-road cruise control from the Raptor. Cool trickle down in there so i've taken it to jw up in uh, west palm beach right off of d-line and went off-roading in that so i kind of have both now i just have both slow off-roady vehicles hey it is what it is i I was for years i mean i had a minivan like for a while when i worked at automation i ended up getting a a chrysler country and because I had, you know, three kids and it was just easy and comfortable. And then I got the, uh, I actually bought my first Renegade in 2017. <laughs> and then I upgraded a chain. I traded it out for this one in February and got a uh, 19 with, uh, you know. The trail, the trail hawk one? No, I, I stuck no. with the Latitude, but it has the 18-inch uh, wheels and it's got the bigger, it's got the 8-inch uh, audio system and, you know, uh, it's got the... It's got a couple other like options like with the the uh the sos system and you know stuff like yep. that didn't normally come with you know the, the the one that i had before was like an i walked in and i said this is what i want i want a renegade and my credit wasn't the greatest back in 2017 and i kind of just said listen like this is what i want and my buddy who i had known from working at AutoNation, he's like look we have one white one and one black one that are like old like they're you know he's like it was like october 2017 and he was like i can get you the like killer ass deal it was like a twenty six thousand dollar sticker price and i walked out with the car with gap insurance and everything for like eighteen thousand. and uh i was like all right so then when i went back in 2019 you know i just wanted a little bit more i wanted something i actually walked into the dealership with with the hopes of potentially leaving with a hellcat or something like that or my goal really was a track hawk. i wanted to get the uh the Jeep, uh, the Jeep. Okay. yeah, Grand Cherokee, yeah, track off, yeah. But they didn't have any, and it was going to take like 16 weeks to order one. So I just kind of was like, ah, you know what? I'm like, why don't I just stick with this for now? And I ended up walking out for literally the same, um, the same monthly payment with, you know, the 2019 model that just had, I think the sticker price on this one was like 32 versus the 26 of the original, and I didn't put any extra money down or anything. It, it was I laughed because I actually did put a thousand dollars down. Um, <clears throat> on the car on top of the trade-in and everything else and like 
three months later in the middle of Corona, I get a check back from the dealership for like $999 and 12 cents. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, why are they sending me back a thousand dollars in cash? And apparently it was just, it ended up not being needed on the deal. So they gave me back almost all my deposit. <laughs> so I ended up getting the same exact, you know, the better car with same, um, same payment and everything for and for next to literally just walked in and walked out with the new car with the same price. So I was That's like, hey, awesome. yeah, complain about that. That's always good. Yeah, I thought about getting the Raptor for a while. Like I've been looking back and forth, and I was like, you know, the Raptor is probably more reasonable in terms of being, you know, an adult's car because if I needed to move stuff, it has a bed and I can do stuff like that. And I'm like, but you know what? You only live once, and who knows. What's gonna? My only concern with cars right now is, do we have so many cars out there that are making so much power? I'm worried that they're gonna start passing regulations that are gonna drop power down again. Nah, uh, they they tried that in Japan back in the day with like those those R32s, R33s, R34s. Right. They'll just you know they'll just say on the books, but nah, and cars are becoming so safe. I don't think the I don't think the horsepower figure and they're such niche cars. The average buyer is not buying those. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, most people are driving their Honda. Accord. I mean, what's becoming huge, you know, is the, the crossover SUVs. You know, the yes. car. You know, the uh, the sedan frame um, SUV style uh, right. SUVs or whatever they call them, crossovers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's basically they're worried mind. about it. Yeah, they're not worried Renegade about a handful of like people. A yeah. yeah, they're not worried about a handful of people driving GT500s and Hellcats. Right. You know, yeah, so. But yeah, My it's, only it's concern. never ending. Yeah, you know, we're pushing in the six, seven, eight hundred horsepower from the factory now, which is fucking Crazy. bonkers when you think oh, about it. Exactly. And that's my only concern, is that I am one of those people that can't leave anything stock. Like, even my mm-hmm. Renegade, even my Renegade has, like, an intake and exhaust. It has the pedal commander on it, you know, like I've done like, a, you know, little things to this thing. So I know for a fact that as soon as I get the GT500, it's going to be like, you know, exhaust, intake, tune. Like I'm like, I'm already thinking 900 wheel horsepower and I'm like, yeah, yeah it's insane. And I don't need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. It's like, you don't need no, I don't that. think anybody knows. Yeah. Dude, I, but I'm at the point right now where I, I rarely drive. Like, even my, I got my Renegade in the first weekend of February and I just hit 2,600 miles. So yeah. I don't drive. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, you know, take it out on the weekend once in a while, go to the beach, whatever with it. That's about as much as it'll probably happen. It'll probably have like 5,000 miles on it after like five years. So but yeah, that's perfect. You know, you'll probably fill it up six times. So you're all exactly. set. Yeah. So what are you drinking now? Did you happen to get any more beers, or are you still finished? Uh, actually, no. I've been. I'm. Uh, I'm finishing up the uh, the dumplings group, okay. which um, it's um, it's good. It's it definitely has that grassiness that you get sometimes from from strong IPAs. Right. With like, uh, grassy is usually like mosaic hops. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and. Um, I mean, I'm already, I'm feeling it. It's probably from the original Ninja Juice, so, uh, but that's good. I'm actually, I was waiting to see about ordering another one. Um, I just cracked open my slip and slide. So okay. The, yeah. The I got to figure it out, actually. So let me, uh, let me take a look what they got on top. Uh, let me see here. Purple Rain, Black Forest, 4%. Actually, I don't think they have this on the profile for Hydro. 
Ferdinand. What? Let me see if they got. I might go Imperial Style 13% limo tank. I'm gonna see go. if they have it on top. Yeah. Do they still have cans in the cooler? Uh, they do, but I think the only cans they got right now are those. Um, uh, hey, slip and slide. Yeah, exactly. That's all they got in cans at the it. moment. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Really good. So, I like it. Oh yeah, I'll probably I'll probably get one to go for the for the house when I when I head out. But they, well, you definitely need something in there because what you tell me you have like Coors Light and a couple yeah, of Coors Light and uh, yeah from Prosperity up in Boca. I Prosperity. picked up a, a four pack. I picked up a six pack for my uh, fantasy football draft. Cool. Yeah, just um, excited for sports to get back on feet playing the Celtics in the the Eastern Conference Finals. So you know, sure, you are a better man than I because I'm. Yeah. Fully refusing to watch. Oh uh, yeah, I know. I've, I've heard, I've heard that from other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I just separate the art from the artist, I guess, uh, a yeah. little bit when it comes to that. But no, I get it. A lot of people. There, hey, but I, you, I don't, I don't have any. I don't feel anything, any kind of way against anybody who wants to do it. It's just the frustrating yeah. thing for me is, dude, as a 36 year like Eagles fan, I'm literally sitting here in my office staring at my Eagles country Super Bowl champion signs hanging on my wall and I'm like I didn't ask anybody to politicize my sports you know what I mean so right you're like leave that yeah. shit out of it you know what I mean at the end yeah. of the day people watch sports for it's an escape for the for the yeah same same the reason why I just watch Marvel yeah. movies and stuff like that exactly I don't watch anything super you know I just want to I just want an escape from the regular life for exactly. a couple hours. Yeah. You know, I get it. Yeah. And it just frustrates me. You know. I'm like, come on, guys. But the crazy part is, is what I've noticed, and I don't know, I didn't watch enough. I didn't watch anything. I only saw, like, some clips back that a couple people posted. But a lot of the games, I guess, so far that have been this week, they've only they, – I don't know if they've kneeled during the anthem or not. I haven't paid attention. But I know uh, they talked about, like – players like linking arms in unity and walking out on the field together and you know stuff like that i can appreciate but i'm not going yeah. down for the whole thing right. and yeah. even then you know and even then they're getting their their their, their ball busted right. it's it's damned if you do damned if you don't you know even i heard the dolphins are just going to stay in the locker room uh not that i give a fuck about the dolphins but you know, it's like <laughs> yeah um Fucking dumpster fire. Sorry for any dolphins. No, I'm pretty hey, sure every dolphin hey. fan knows this. It's a if you listen fire. to the show and you're a dolphins fan, you suck. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, you can be a dolphins fan. It's okay, but it's you know, no, I know. your team's a dumpster fire. Just, just it think is about Miami and Pat Riley and what he's brought to the to the Heat in 30 years and what yeah. he's brought to the city. And I'm not even, you know, I'm French. I mean, I was. Now I'm an American citizen, but. You know, somebody that was born and raised in France. Um, you know, Pat oh, Riley. Gotta get out of here. I can't have that on my show. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> Just Surrender monkeys. No, man, totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Like, uh, yeah. that's, I look, I laugh because, like, my dad was a, you know, uh, British native. You know, he, he actually met my mom at, um, my mom went to Scotland for high school. And her senior year in high school she ended up running into my dad somehow i wish i even knew the full details of everything now but he was working in oil rigs off the the coast of uh of scotland at, you know he's, he's a english you know born and raised in uh in, in the united kingdom and <clears throat> well in england and 
they met and he came here with her and you know so half of my you know origin is essentially from the UK and uh my dad passed away unfortunately in 1990 but he um but that's you know essentially the half of my family is from you know overseas my mom you know born and raised here and her family is kind of like a mixture of also European and uh, American Indian. We have some Choctaw and a couple other uh, American Indian tribes in our in our blood from back in the day. But um, yeah, I definitely have, dude. America is the is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And the whole point of us having what we have and being where we are is due to immigrants. If it wasn't for people immigrating to the United States, there would be no United States. <laughs> yeah. No, that's for sure. I, I moved here when I was 15, actually two months after 9-11. Wow. Uh, I moved here in uh, November 16, 2001. Wow. Um, to Fort Lauderdale. And uh, honestly, man, I've been looking back. I went to high school here. I went to college and, you know, FAU and, and I've been left. I mean, I lived in South Florida my entire, you know, the entire time, but I got to travel, you know, from New York to LA to San Francisco to Laramie, Wyoming and you know, go hike places like Zion and yeah, awesome. Utah and all those places. And it's like, we do have, I mean, we, are, we have a good here. Not, you know, speaking of, uh, of my perspective, you know, um, you know, moving here from France, going to the public high school system, being in the ESOL program, barely speaking English, to, you know, making, you know, friends that I still, you know, talk to this, that are still my best friends from back then to this day, and, and everything I've been through, I think we, you know, there's definitely, I wouldn't change anything and move back to France ever. Awesome. And I still go there every couple of years, so. Cool. Oh yeah, man, this is. That was something we it's, hadn't it's talked a, about prior, so I'm pretty, I'm, I'm cool, I'm, I'm... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we, it's pretty, it's pretty rough right now, but we're still in the best, and this is my personal opinion, but we're still in the best country in the... Oh, absolutely. I think in the world, for sure, you absolutely. know, I mean, and I don't think anyone's super denying that, I mean, at least in our neck of the woods, unless you're, you're getting into the whole Portland, Seattle area, that's right. a little bit different, but I think everyone's still behind that idea, I, I, I mean... I think most people are. No, I do. I agree. We're still in the we're still in the best uh, we're still in the best place. Uh, Absolutely, you know. And the crazy part is that even if you look at all the nonsense going on in Portland and Seattle, you know, and and stuff like that, the news and the mainstream media likes to make us think that it's like the entire city is on fire. The reality is, dude, that's only like a two block radius around that federal courthouse where all that shit's going on. Like ninety percent of the city is still like normal. Like. I don't know if you've ever listened to, uh, I listen, I personally listened to another show from uh, Andy Frisella, who's the owner of um, First Form, a supplement company, and he had, he had a podcast called the uh, Motherfucking CEO Project, <laughs> and, he, and now he does one that's called Real as Fuck, and he's just a teller like it is, you know, he's, I mean, this guy's multi-millionaire, you know, he's been through all kinds of crazy stuff in his life, and you know, we're about the same age and I, I listen to him because he just has phenomenal feedback on business and stuff like that. And one of the things he was talking about is like when he's in um, St. Louis and okay. he talks about like when Ferguson, when Ferguson happened and, you know, stuff like that a few years back, he was like, you know, the media was making everybody think that the entire city was on fire. So we were getting people that were messaging us like, oh my God, I hope you guys are safe. I hope you're not, you know, and they're like, yeah, like it's happening like 26 miles away from us and it's only happening in like a two square mile spot of the city. 
like they want to make us believe that the entire cities are burning down. Yeah. But at the end, you know, and, and I will look at like New York, like I have people in New York right now that will tell me that the city is fucked up. Like New York itself is going through a lot of crazy shit all over the place. But it's not it it's still not quite as bad as they want as the media right. wants to make it out to seem. But in the same respect, it's slowly getting worse because people are just losing it's it's like well, businesses like, are yeah you know like we talked about that brewery earlier that went out of business because of covid you know right a lot of people have put you know a year two years a decade of hard work into into building a business having employees and then you know they're told by the government to shut down then everything's closed and right you know then those people are out of work and you know tensions are high and you know they feel disenfranchised by by their local or federal or state government it's just it's all lose-lose so you know the only thing we can do is is hope that you know there's some sort of resolution and and, you know the country moves on and and we can have you know open discussions you know and we're i think the biggest missed opportunities is trying to get every or i mean maybe it's already been done but just trying to get everyone in the room together fucking throw the key down the down the drain and not let anybody out until the discussion <laughs> is over and the situation's yeah. been handled. You know, that's I what I think. And I know my, I know my opinion. I know my opinion personally is not a popular one because I've had conversations with people that have gotten like, you know, frustrated with me. But I'm one of those conservatives that will. I don't. I will not back down from a fight or back down from a conversation or a challenge. I have a lot of liberal friends that, even on like Facebook. You know, I have other buddies that are yeah. like, "Oh, I'm blocking people left and right." I refuse. I won't block anybody. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I, I'm not unfollowing. I'm not doing exactly. anything. Dude, I'm, I keep the conversation. If anything, open. I'm getting more and more people added. I just don't really. You know what? I mean, who? I was not to plug another. You know, other people's podcasts, but um, and actually, the the limo tent just got here, so I'm, I'll Ooh. let you guys know how it is. But oh yeah, uh, not to plug anybody else's business or other podcasts, but. Um, um, Evan Afer from uh, Black Rifle Coffee has something similar that they stopped doing. It was called um, Launch Something, and now they turned it into the podcast of Free Range American. Uh, he's a former Green Beret. Uh, he started Black Rifle Coffee along with yeah. a couple, a couple guys. I'm a and, yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah, I'm part of the you know subscription club, and. Um, you know he has a he has a similar podcast in terms of being a CEO and brings other CEOs on and, and other people that are kind of like big in their own industry that right. took companies from nothing to something and then you know what it took them for them to do it. I think it was called Launch. Let me see. It did discontinued it. Like I said, now it's called Free Range American. It's a little bit different of a format. Um, but if you want to go back, they uh, got some of the old ones. Yeah, some of the older stuff uh, shows. Let me see here. Launch Code podcast. Those were pretty interesting in terms of, um, you know, listening to guys that, you know, uh, you know, local president and um, people that just started all these, you know, big multi-million-dollar right. companies. Uh, so those were those are pretty interesting. But let me uh, let me dig into this fucking. Uh, Dark as night. It looks like motor <laughs> oil. Limo tank. Thirteen percent. My start. thing is, dude. I love me some stouts. The problem I've been having lately 
And I think it's just because of the increased uh, lactose content that they a lot of breweries are now adding to their stouts. I am lactose intolerant. Oh, okay. In a sour or an, even in an IPA, sometimes the lactose is minimal, so it doesn't really affect me. But when I start getting into the stouts with a lot of lactose in them, I mean, I'll, it messes my stomach up. And as much as I hate it because I love a good stout, I've had to like pull back and not drink them as often because I just know that I'm gonna end up on the toilet all night long and it's horrible. But like I have a, uh, I have a, I have one from Arcane L Works. I want it's double chocolate fluff, and I'm like, huh? dude, I'm drooling over it, waiting to try it. But I know that it's gonna result in me and probably, you know, like hours. Save on it, the- save it. When we do a podcast together, you'll have a, you'll have a quarter. I'll have two, four, I'll have three quarters. And there then, you go. You know, I'll, I'll there take you go. One for yeah, we can do that. Save your stomach for you because yeah, this this that. is good. I think they did an eight ounce pour on it, and this is probably a, a one hour sipper. Um, wow. Chocolatey. It's got, oh yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, after after two strong ones, this is something that I'm not, and I've chugged one, of, I've chugged something like that style before. Right. I'll never make that mistake again, but um, <laughs> yeah, this cool. is, this is small sip. You're, you're drinking it like a whiskey. It's very chocolatey coffee, some, some kind of fruity, you know, some, some fruits in there. It's good, but um, yeah, it's all good stuff, man. Is it a is it a barrel aged or is it just a regular stout? I don't know if it is, but it's what's it called again? No, yeah, me, uh, yeah, it is barrel aged with coconut um, limited imperial stout at one year in uh, Avon Hill bourbon barrels with coconut gotcha. Welsh coffee and hazelnut. I didn't even read that. Yeah, you can definitely pick up the coffee and um, the coconut maybe not as much. Uh, I don't know what hazelnut tastes and like Nutella, I guess. It, yeah. There's definitely like a sweetness to it. Yeah. About thirteen and a half percent. But that's definitely a that's a well, slow sipper. Yeah. What's, it's, the, uh, what's the hero? I think for me, and again, I've had a couple strong IPAs, so my mouth's probably blown out. But the coffee is definitely the, the coffee is the hero. Flavor. Yeah. The well yeah. coffee is strong, man. That's a good. Uh, fantastic and Heaven Hill bourbon barrels. Wow, man. and it, it, it tastes chocolatey as hell too. I mean, it's very right, chocolatey. Cool. Yeah, good. So, good stuff. but it's one of those ones that you definitely—it's a sipper. Like you got to be able. Oh to- yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those where I mean, and I know you're supposed to drink them when they get a little bit more room temp. Absolutely. Uh, yep. But um, this is probably something I want to sip cold over maybe watching an entire movie. Okay. And by the time the movie's over, you're nice and buzzed just on this one. So let me tell, let me ask you this. This is the first time we're having you on the show. And uh, from our conversation so far, you know, I um, I definitely feel like this is going to be a recurring theme for us. So what I'm thinking right now, today, on the spot, what's your favorite beer right now? Is it available anywhere, or is that something that I have to go to the location to have it? No, anywhere. Like, tell me. I mean, whatever your favorite beer right now. I mean, here. I think I, I would come here for Ninja Juice, honestly. Okay, dude, yeah. that's great. So, yeah, this is probably yeah. It's um, here Ninja Juice. If I could keg it, bring it to my house. If I had a kegerator, <laughs> that's what I would have on tap in the house. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my go-to. I will say, you mentioned last week in terms of, or a couple weeks ago, 
terms of brewery releasing stuff and maybe not aging it quite as much and not being quite like the first batches. Right. The first time I came here, right after they had their soft friend, you know, family only opening, um, the first time I had an introduced, it fucking blew my mind. Um, then they had a couple iterations that were not, they were, I was a little disappointed with, but they brought it back quite to a really good level now. Good. Where, yeah, I would say, if I had to pick, you know, like this is my go-to, I live up in, uh, up in Boyne Beach. Okay. If I have to go grab a, a crab beer somewhere, this is the spot that I would rather, um, that I would rather go to, right. for sure. Have you been to um, Do South? Yeah, Do South a, a bunch of times. I, I like, obviously, I get the Cat 3s, the Cat 5s. Yep. Uh, Copper Point next door is really good as well. Cool. Uh, and also, a little known fact, uh, I think all their beers are gluten-free. Yeah. So, which is pretty interesting. I, I had a friend that had a balloon issue for a while. So that was like a hangout spot. Yep. Uh, I, may have had a, I may have had a couple days, uh, maybe not a couple, but one date at a Copper Point, a couple of first date at Copper Point. So it's a, it's definitely a good go-to. Cool. You know you have a place you like ever. when you have a date there. Right. right? That's Dude, one of my favorite beers ever is from Due South. It's called Maple Orange Imperial Caramel Cream Ale. And it's just insane. Like it takes their normal caramel cream ale, which is available everywhere. You can get it in yeah. ABC. That's a that's a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they add the maple and orange to it, and it ends up being like nine percent or eight percent, eight point nine percent or something like that. And I had it at um, the first time I ever had it was at a um, was at a brass tap, and it was phenomenal. I was just like, dude, I gotta ha- I gotta find out where I, I can get this from. And I talked. I actually called the brewery trying to get some, and they were like, "Oh, well, we don't even can it. Like it's that is keg only, brew you know tap room only. Like we you know it's a very limited offering." And I was like, "Probably to this day one of my favorite beers I've ever had." And it was just, I mean, with even when even caramel cream ale, like dude, they used to have it everywhere. It used to be at the um, what was the, the not the Staples Center? What the hell's the the that that amphitheater out there? The Way out in Palm Beach, the uh, the oh the it's it's changed the uh, fairgrounds, but it's changed names like a dozen times. Like yeah, now, I think it was, like the, yeah. the vodka, whatever. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, that place. Yeah. yeah, I've been there for like, dude. I went. I, I mean, the, the first time I was ever there was like 2003 for like a Lincoln Park concert, and I've been yeah. there. I've been there for Slipknot, all those. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so, dude. I've been there yeah. like 20 times, and they yeah. and since awesome like fact. 2008, they've had caramel cream ale like on tap. And it's always so damn good. And you can get like the great yeah. big, like uh, 32 ounce, you know, plastic cup. And it's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite brews of all time. I mean, Caramel Cream Ale alone is fantastic. It's just such a good beer. But the Maple Orange Imperial version was like unbelievable. So well, I was going to say for the next one, if you're obviously if you're back up to it, um, and I don't like on the schedule, we're going to work out. But if you'll. Be so gracious to have me back on, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I can um, tell you that's a positive and affirmative. We're gonna. There's a couple good ones up up there. There are also Matthews Brewery. Um, that's up in in Lake Worth. That's that's got some really good juicy IPAs. Cool. Uh, if you're Never even heard that, of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're great. And I think they're kind of obviously um, the now that the bars are actually reopening. You know, in Broward and Palm Beach, which is uh, Broward and, and Dave, which is 
great. You know, thank God for letting people make money again. But right. um, we can meet up up there, whatever. But I'll, if uh, if there's any last topic that I will go on, I'm gonna actually ask you a question now. Um, what is your least favorite style of beer that every time you have it, you regret? Every time you're like, you know what? Let me give it a chance. And every time you're like, fuck, no, you know what? I should not have gone that route. You can only pick one. It's got. It can be a style. It doesn't have to be a specific beer. What is that one that you regret every time? What What tends to be the most common one for me that I don't like um, is usually a is usually a hyphenweizen, and there are a few that I like. I do like like Blue Moon and stuff like that, which is like a wheat beer, but they call it like a wheat hyphenweizen. You know, there's a couple of them out there that I like, but. For some reason, a lot of breweries tend to use saffron in a hyphenweizen, and that flavor of saffron just makes me want to barf. And okay. it's also it's also used in a lot of like um, a lot of uh, crap. What am I trying? Belgians, like like single Belgian yeah. stuff like that. Uh huh. And that one flavor profile of saffron just kills it for me. But if I had it to say, yeah, dude, I'm just like I am an ABV snob, so. You gonna if you put a five percent hyphen wise in front of me, I'll drink it because I like beer, but I'll flip you off in my mind. <laughs> there you go, fuck yeah, fuck yourself. Um, for me, it's uh, which is funny because when I was in France and I started drinking, uh, like you know, like 14, 15, you know, your parents hand you up beer. It's actually I got into beers from Effervisen. So right. actually, I kind of have a soft spot for them. Right. But I will say, um, mine, and not obviously, I'm going to fuck. If you hate them, that's fine. <laughs> well, there are some that I like. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Like a, like a Floridian, like a, yeah, funky Buddha Floridian. I think those are pretty decent, too. Uh, and, uh, and I'm not huge on them. It's like, it kind of brings, it's one of those that I have that kind of brings me back to my youth more than anything. It's more of a... Well, mine is like thing. Budweiser because that's what I used to steal out of my parents' fridge and drink it. There you go. Yeah, and I hate it. it now, but back then that was like my go-to when I was a kid. You know, it was like yeah. sneak in the fridge and steal their Budweiser and go up, you know, go upstairs. When I was in high school, I thought Mara High Life were actually good. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know, it was not that long. Ago. The I had one of those a few years back, and I was like, holy fuck, what's wrong? Exactly. Um, yeah. No, but for me, every time it fucking backfires. Every time I have a, and I love spicy food. I mean, I absolutely, I'm the, I'm the hot sauce guy. Anytime right. there's a company, you know, White Elephant or Christmas or surprise or a birthday gift. You get hot sauce. Everybody's like, oh, you like, oh, you're, you like hot sauces, right? Here's a 2000 Scoville unit fucking ghost pepper sauce. I'm like, right, right. Useless. It's like fun for 30 seconds and everybody just moves on. But um, any sort of chili, hot pepper, beer of any sort, has never, whether it's a porter or really a stout. Oh yeah, I can't fuck with it, man. Every time I, Dude, I absolutely love have it. No, I can't. Unless like, you give me one like, of those and I'm and I'm having it with like maybe a nice thick steak dinner. Yeah. I cannot, and I've never tried that combination, but I cannot fuck with, wow. with that just at the bar hanging out. No, it tells oh, me. I, I always too. regret it. Has it has to be a certain time of year. But like Mexican standoff from due south is one of my favorite mm. beers. I love it. See it now. I, I, I just can't. I, I love it. And that dude, it's crazy. It's like, have you have you ever had um have you ever had M forty three from Great Notion? No. 
Okay. Uh, that's I, I listen. Not um, last time I had it. Um, I had Mexican standoff with my buddy here at the. What was it? Where did we go in, uh, in Delray? It was like the beer. We went to a big beer thing in Delray where we sampled all these different beers. But I have, a, I have an audience, my bad. You don't remember? Yeah. Uh, we went to this <laughs> beer thing where it was like 75 bucks. You got in and then you got to try every beer from like right. 20 or 30 different breweries. And I yeah. got Mexican standoff. Well, actually, no, I didn't get it. I made them get it. And you tried. And then... And then I was like, let me try a sip, because I knew better than that. Obviously, <laughs> I, threw, I threw him on the grenade for me. Um, and no, I just can't. Dude, and, I love it. And like, same with Funky Buddha. They had um, they had some some other chili beers in it. Oh, yeah. Every time. I just, I can't. Dude. I, I can't. And a great Notion came out with a jalapeno version of M43, which is their nope. single IPA. Listen, if you have some, then, you know, like I said, you'll jump in the grenade on that one. I'll take, I'll take a quarter. <laughs> you take three quarters. Hey. I'll take the lactose stuff, and everybody's right? happy in the transaction, right? Hey, that like works. Everybody's I'm winning. That. I'm good yeah, with that for yeah. sure. So, yeah. yeah I'll open yeah. with the spicy beer, then I'll try to kill it with the <laughs> thick, with the thick as oil bourbonade um, stouts. There, there you, you go. go. Cool. Yeah. Hey, it's so good, though. Like, I mean, and I, I don't think I've had one yet. I did, I will tell you this, I did have a sour that somebody tried to do like a spicy sour where it had like uh, habaneros or something in it and it did not work at all and I like, I took a sip of it and I almost spit it across the room and ended up drain pouring it because it just yeah. did not work. It was like, it was like a pineapple habanero, like, like, yeah. I, I like pineapple I like, habanero wings. But that right, does exactly. Not translate into beer. No, yeah, yeah, that did no. not work for me with a with a yeah. sour. But it definitely, yeah. it definitely works for me in, you know, heavier beers like stouts and 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 porters and stuff like that. I definitely like that, and I I really enjoyed the the jalapeno M forty three. I thought that was fantastic. It was, dude. It was so hot that my lips actually burned from drinking uh, the beer, as if you know you were having like a like a spicy wing. You know what I mean? uh, see, for me, anything spicy has to have substance, like actual right. something to it. It can't just go down like water because they. And I've, I mean, I've watched hot ones, and my brother's into hot sauces, and I've had all the hot one sauces on anything yep. from pizza to wings to just crackers, mainlining it on the back of a spoon. Uh, <laughs> I just. Um, I feel you. Yeah, when it comes to the spicy in the beer it, I don't, for me it absolutely does not mix but we all we yeah. all have our flavors that we enjoy and which we i think so that makes for a nice contrast for sure absolutely damn right so all right dude look we are we're over an hour like almost like an hour and a half i know you got a buddy there with you why don't you hang out enjoy some more beers we can we'll catch up next week i yeah. really really enjoyed having you on the show it was awesome and i look forward to a future relationship for sure Oh yeah, no, for sure. We'll we'll keep this going as much as as long as uh, we enjoy it, and uh, hopefully we can get some uh, some you know some more subscribers and uh, you know whatever they say on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, bell icon, whatever <laughs> bullshit. Damn right. Tell tell all your friends about it. Some guy is walking in with a puppet, with like you know the arm up the butt puppet. Oh my god. Okay. He's walking in and he's talking to people with it. You have got you, you're gonna you're gonna have to enjoy that. So no, I'm I gonna will. drop post about it on Instagram. Cool. We'll have we'll uh, catch up next week. Thanks, dude. Cool, man. Talk All to right. you later. Bye. Later. Bye.